When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is writer-director Adam McKay, and this is Rock and Roll Archaeology. Pantheon Podcasts presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Cast in this unlikely role, well-equipped to act with insufficient tact, one must put up barriers to keep oneself intact, diggers. All right, let's get into 2020. Happy New Year. I hope 2019 treated you all well. I hope you all made it successfully through the holiday season, and I sincerely hope... 2020 is going to be a great one for all of you. Well, right now, before we get going, I have to talk about the loss of Neil Peart, a drummer from Rush. Um, I didn't think we'd have to start the year on such a bad note, but I don't control time yet. If I could, I'd make time stand still for this gentleman and scholar. I, I really would. This is a big loss for me. When I was in high school in the 70s, and probably more than I'd like to admit afterwards, Rush was the band. You know, for a bunch of white, middle-class suburban kids playing Dungeons & Dragons, reading sci-fi, loving Monty Python, well, at least in my group, being a Rush fanatic was a must. Uh, I, I remember many Rush shows as events, for my crew from back in the day. Yeah, yes, they were uh, one of a kind, Um, sometimes a critical laughing stock, due mostly to Neil's early lyrics, uh, and especially his Ayn Randian influence, which he thankfully shed as they matured into the power trio of all power trios. But uh, other than probably the Grateful Dead, I had seen Getty, Alex, and Neil more than any other band or artist. From 1978 until 1987, I never missed a tour. And then I let them go for a while and caught them uh, when Neil came back after losing both his daughter and wife in the late 90s uh, with the Vapor Trails tour. I saw them a few more times, uh, including making sure my own uh, kids' first concert was a Rush show. So the thing about Neil for me and why this has been so hard to digest is that, at least to me, the guy was literally superhuman. I mean, come on, who the fuck could ever play drums so precisely? And so how, how can a superhuman die? It's a little inconceivable and has really rocked my world. Um, A quick story. 
is that I will never forget how I was introduced to this band. Uh, I can't remember the moment I was introduced to most bands, but this one will always bring a chuckle to me and and I I hope to you as well. I'm 15 and I'm trying to flirt uh, with a girl in drama class. And I, I, I don't think it was going very well because she asked if I was a Rush fan. Now, I thought it was going really well, but uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. So, now, I was familiar with Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush, and I thought that's what she meant. Um, she said, no, it's just Rush, and felt very strongly that I'd really be into them. Of course, in the moment, I thought she was into me by telling me I had to understand this band that she was into. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you know Rush, and while over the years they did get more female attention, in 1976, I think she was telling me I was a little too nerdy for her. Um, you know, it was drama class after all. Uh, And if you're familiar with Rush, I think you'd agree uh, this was a bit of a brush off. Anyway, we will all miss the professor, as Piert was uh, called for his impeccable drumming skills and his highly, eh, sometimes too high, uh, lyrics to all those songs. R.I.P. Neil, see you in Xanadu one day. Okay. Let's get going, and uh, today's show may not jive with uh, the uh, previous discussion, but I can't control death, at least not yet. Don't forget, you can find all the rock and roll goodness at pantheonpodcast.com, and all of our shows can be found wherever you get your amazing podcasts. So, let's do it. Let's get in to 2020. Club isn't the best place to find a lover, so the bar is where I go. Me and my friends sat at the table doing shots, drinking fast, and then we talk slow. Come over and start up a conversation with just me, and trust me, I'll give it a chance. Now take my hand, stop it, and the man on the jukebox, and then we start to dance. And now I'm singing like, girl, you know I want your love. Your love was handmade for somebody like me. Come on now, follow my lead. I may be crazy, don't mind me. Say, boy, let's not talk too much. Grab on my waist and put that body on me. Come on now, follow my lead. Come, come on now, follow my lead. Today, we are talking about one of the biggest selling artists in the world at the moment, Ed Sheeran. Uh, By the way, the clip I just played, Shape of You, has over 2 billion streams. (laughs) That's that's a billion. That's 2 billion with with Bs. So I was looking forward to talking with uh, today's guest, Sean Smith, who has just released a new book, appropriately enough, called Just Ed Sheeran. Uh, you know, the nice ginger from England uh, with that single acoustic guitar and a few foot pedals that can sell out stadiums. Yeah, how does he do it? Um, That's what I wanted to know. Sure, he writes some catchy songs, and come on, he's as sweet as can be. 
that makes all the girls want to take him home to meet their parents. He's a super nice guy, a good kid, but more importantly, is truly driven. That's what I got out of it. That's uh, that this guy is a workhorse. Now, Sean Smith is a UK journalist who's written several celebrity bios over the years. Uh, many are pop stars like George Michael, Justin Timberlake, Keely Minogue, Tom Jones, Britney Spears, but also uh, people like the Duchess uh, Kate Middleton, uh, Victoria Beckham. Wait a minute. Is she a musician? I can never remember. Okay, okay. He wrote a book on all the Spice Girls as well. So, And J.K. Rowling, which was turned into a TV movie in uh, 2011. Sean got his start as an investigative journalist. Described by The Independent as a fearless chronicler, he specializes in meticulous research going on the road to find the real person behind the star image. So let's hear all about Ed Sheeran from author Sean Smith. Don't think I fit in at this party. Everyone's got so much to say. Yeah. I always feel like I'm nobody. Mm. Who wants to fit in anyway? Because I don't care when I'm with my baby. Yeah. All the bad things disappear. Welcome to Deeper Digs and Rock, Sean Smith. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well indeed. Good to speak to you. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Uh, this is uh, an interesting uh, conversation for us. This is, we, we don't talk a lot about current artists, and let's face it, um, your subject here, Ed Sheeran, is uh, you know one of the biggest artists in the world. So my first question is, how does one guy with an acoustic guitar and a few foot pedals beat Beyonce, U2, or even the Rolling Stones and end up having the record for the highest grossing tour of all time? Ed certainly works hard, doesn't he? I mean, he really puts in the hours because it's not just a case of slipping on stage and doing a few guitar riffs at the back. You know, this guy comes on by himself. By himself, he, right. Yeah, he's by himself and his guitar. He uses a method which we can talk about, which is yeah, um, looping. looping, which mm. uh, is key to his success in, in many ways, musically anyway. Mm. But like many overnight sensations, he really had to work for it. Yeah, He really worked hard. So um, it's been a, a very well-plotted strategy by him, his team, his record company, to get him out there and right into people's consciousness, if you like, uh, just touring with the right people, getting his name associated with the right people until he could do it all himself. One thing I like about Ed Sheeran, which we can talk about, is that he always keeps the ladder down, you know, because he climbed a ladder on his way up, people helped him, 
And now he's at the top. He keeps the ladder down for people who have helped him. I think that's really cool. Well, I've noticed that's that's an interesting uh, proposition. That I, I, I've noticed this in a lot of um, of current uh, uh, musicians, and and that is a far more collaborative. Uh, situation than it used to be in the in the past. It it, it seemed more competitive uh, 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 back in the day, uh, and now um, yeah, I, I guess a lot of this comes from the hip hop world where uh, these rappers do work uh, with each other. They they guest on each other's uh, songs and albums and things like that. And uh, I would say today's pop stars are, are are basically doing the same thing, right? Yeah, and it makes absolute commercial sense. Yeah. If if you're someone like uh, Taylor Swift, for instance, and you want to make more headway in the UK, then you latch on to Ed Sheeran uh, and then vice versa. Ed was obviously the support act on, on her you know best-selling tour over there. Yeah. And uh, this is the way it works. She, she gets plenty of publicity. The record companies are happy. You sell more records. You sell out more tickets. It's not rocket science, but it really works. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, uh, in a in a world where uh, you know maybe the recordings uh, aren't uh, making the type of money that uh, they used to, and, and in fact, that sort of dynamic has flipped. The tour is where where the money is now, and the the records are kind of like the uh, the marketing campaign, and it used to be the exact opposite. That's perfectly true, which is why, of course, that. Um, People with back catalogs, uh, you know, hang uh, their coat by the door and go back on tour 20 years later, 30 <laughs> years later, yeah. because they know they can make much bigger money now than they ever could back in the day. Yeah, it's they, was, they were often signed to, to deals that were really harsh. Mm-hmm. And um, it's great to see, you know, bands from um, an artist from the 70s and 80s and the 60s uh, back on the road. Uh, and and you know getting the 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 rewards that they deserve they should have had them in the first place but they most of them signed crummy deals well you know when we started this uh, project 5 years ago um it uh it was kind of the nadir of rock and roll uh, you know I, I i'm a rock and roll guy and and that, and i consider that you know anything of the latter half of the 20th century's music uh, and into the 21st century, um, but um, you know the uh, the music was kind of at a nadir uh, here five years ago. Uh, you know, uh, wasn't sure where things were were going to go, and uh, in the ensuing uh, half decade, uh, yeah, live music has really just exploded. I mean, every day or two, there's a, a, a some. Uh, awesome act uh, coming through town, and I'm, I'm sure that's the same for, for you guys across the pond, right? It is exactly the same. The, the thing I would add to that is um, years ago when I started going to concerts, it was cheap, but now you, you have to <laughs> so like, take yeah, out a second mortgage exactly. to see the biggest stars. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to plan it very carefully, you know, ooh, you know, can I afford to go and see Van Morrison in, in three months' time? You know, it's... it's um, yeah. Yeah, it's how as, you've got to do it. As 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 uh, some of our our listeners uh, know, uh, uh, I I sold uh, Hamilton tickets so that I could afford Rolling Stones tickets this year. And uh, yeah, we're 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 talking a small fortune. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, some, some of them are, you know, that's, you don't want to miss out. That's the thing with, yeah. the, with the bigger Bomo. stars. Right. right, right. But you also, want to, you want to also want to see people that you might have missed, you know, in the, originally. I mean, which is why I'm so keen to see Van Morrison. I mentioned him. And I, yes. I'm particularly keen. He's doing a, a series of small gigs in London in a couple of months' time. And I'm really looking forward to it because he's just one that got away and I'd never seen him. So Yeah, he's one of those legends that you need to mark off your uh, rock and roll uh, list uh, to retain credibility, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So before we get deep into Ed's story, let's let's learn a little bit about Sean Smith. Um, you know, this is not your first rodeo. You, you've written several uh, books. So how, how did you get into the music bio business? Well, I was originally a journalist in London and um, started writing books. Uh, my first biography was actually of uh, J.K. Rowling. Right. which I really enjoyed. At that time, she'd only written um, three of the Harry the Potter sagas, mm-hmm. and she was uh, writing the fourth yeah, while I, I, I was I researching the book. the first movie was out yet. No, the first movie wasn't out, mm-hmm. and um, it, they were casting it, and they found uh, Daniel Radcliffe while I was researching the book. And uh, I was taking a punt, really, but I, I really enjoyed getting out there and plotting people's lives, uh, finding out... A, 
we all read the the publicity handouts, don't we? And and um, <laughs> you know, uh, you can basically take it with a with a pinch of salt, can't you? Yeah. And and you really want to find out about people that you like, that you that you admire, that you enjoy reading or you enjoy listening to. And um, you're not trying, you know, I never try and find something they don't want to reveal, if you, if you see what I mean. It is simply being um, truthful and fair. And the fans out there, they really want to read this. They don't want stuff that's sycophantic, but also they don't want stuff that is negative. So the reason I moved from J.K. Rowling, for instance, to uh, music stars it's because they have um, very loyal fans, and uh, they stay with them. So oh, if you're, oh, you yeah. say they stay yeah. with them forever. Mm-hmm. So you know the chances are that if you're a fan of Ed Sheeran at 15, if he's still touring uh, in <laughs> in 40 years' time, you oh, will be God. there. Oh, no, God. Be I saying, won't, I and I don't think you will at, either. But yes, uh, the average 15-year-old. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want, you want, you want. Oh, I hope he plays thinking out loud, you know, and, and stuff like because that's what we do. Yeah. So the fans are yeah, very loyal. So that's the reason why I started concentrating um, a lot on music books. And I've written quite a few now. Before Ed, um, I wrote uh, George Michael. Yeah. Um, Tom Paul Jones, George. I loved Adele. writing that because I was a huge fan myself. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Adele, um, I wrote quite recently. And. Uh, Oh, Britney Spears. I loved yeah. writing about Britney. Robbie Williams. Uh, Robbie Williams. Absolutely. He's playing Vegas uh, yeah. again next year, I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and now the Spice Girls. And the Spice Girls, yes. In the, in the UK, the Spice Girls is my uh, new book, or will be my new book. It's uh, published this week. Yeah, two two books at the same time, one in America, one in uh, the UK. Now, of course, this book, the uh, Ed Sheeran book, has been out in the UK for a while, right? Yes, that's right. It's the I, I, it's been out uh, originally in hardback. It was out a year ago, mm-hmm. um, but um, you know it's it's uh, new, improved, and updated for uh, yeah. Yeah. for you guys up here and uh, across the pond again. So, Absolutely. so uh, uh, of all the music stars you've written about um, before your latest book here, um, uh, who was the most fascinating and why? Okay, well. We've actually mentioned the, I think so, the, yeah. the two. I, I like Robbie Williams mm-hmm. writing about him very much. Um, he, He's kind he, of an he interesting a, character, huh? Yeah, very interesting character. Not um, as you see him particularly. I went to where he was brought up in the UK, which was a, a city called Stoke-on-Trent, and um, talked to people who, who knew him then. I went out drinking with his school buddies and they completely dragged me under the table. You know, I had, I had to be carried out, you know, which is, which oh, is quite funny. Oh, the work we have to do. Oh, I know. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. But um, they told me some wonderfully funny stories that just made you, you know, laugh out loud. Mm. And, and then I remember one uh, interviewing uh, a girl who, who was in um, amateur theatrics with him, amateur theater with him. And um, she's told some great stories about being in uh, Oliver with him. He was the artful dodger, you know, a role he was born to play and how he was actually rather sensitive, you know, the image that we have of him, you know, kicking a ball around in the park. He was actually 
at the theatre rehearsing um, Consider Yourself, you know. So it, yeah. it, it's, uh, it was really interesting to find out about the real Robbie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other person I really liked writing about was Britney Spears. Really? Yes, I loved writing about Britney because I went, uh, as, a, as a visitor from the UK, I, I went to Louisiana, Mississippi, where she was brought up yeah. mm-hmm. and um, found it completely fascinating. And, you know, she doesn't get a good press um, or hasn't in the past. I mean, I think obviously things have changed for her. But um, I remember speaking to her teacher at Disney because, you know, she was at Disney at the same yeah. time as uh, Justin, Justin Timberlake and, and others. So, Chris, uh, Christine Aguilera, yeah. Correct. That's yeah. right. And, and, and this guy who was a teacher, lovely guy, we got on great together. He said she was the, the sweetest uh, uh, girl he'd ever taught. Mm. Mm. And I was, I just found it so interesting that, you know, there's this sort of raunchy figure uh, in in, um, in modern pop history, as it were, was this sort of uh, young woman from uh, the Bible Belt, if you like, and, and um, at, at school they used to, used to teach her creationism. Yeah, that, now, <clears throat> boy, I, I, boy, we could go off on a tangent uh, on, on the... Uh, uh, the dissimilarities between her upbringing and belief system and uh, and her uh, public image, especially as she was introduced to the world. But uh, we'll have to save that for a, a, yeah, another next time. time. Next time. So, so you've also written books from uh, other type of, and I know you don't like this word, but celebrities, uh, actors like Jennifer Aniston. Uh, you know, we mentioned J.K. Rowling as, uh, as your yeah. first, and even the Royal Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton. So. You know, it's not just music that fascinates you. No, it's. I, I like to write about people who are very famous because their their stories are always very fascinating. And um, uh, you know, Kate Middleton was a very good example of, of 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 somebody you know rising to be one of the most famous women in the world. Jennifer Aniston was also really interesting because I like to go to places, um, as, as you can tell, where people were brought up. I think that's mm-hmm. really very interesting, and we can talk about Ed's upbringing oh, in a minute. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jennifer Aniston, I had to go to, to New York, and um, where, where, she, where she was originally, you know, there were um, crack addicts in the street and, and that sort of thing, and I, I just found it all very, very interesting to follow her path. Yeah, she she is an interesting uh, uh, personality uh, that, um, you know, I I have a theory about her. She is pretty but not unattainable, and I think that's what's so charming about her uh, in the the public's eye, uh, and and I mean that. Uh, And and that's why she has uh, remained uh, such an A-list celebrity uh, for— for the decades it's been since, uh, you know, the, her big show Friends ended. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. And, and you could also, um, to some extent, uh, say that, that would be the same for the Spice Girls. Um, not actually unobtainable, if you see what I mean. They, right. they, are, they are people that you might know. Yeah. Well, I, think... I, don't, I don't know about Posh Spice, but yes, the rest of them, Well, sure. the, the image has changed. <laughs> image has changed, but... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, through the period of time. But if you're talking about when they first came on the scene, oh. there was always that uh, that feeling that you you might 
you know can run that. into they them might down be in your local street. club right. that weekend right. yeah right. absolutely right. right yeah definitely uh there in the uk uh yeah all right so let's get into ed sheeran uh, i i understand it kind of all begins with having great parents it certainly does he was extremely fortunate with his parents because um they took him seriously. They always took him seriously. They were both very much connected with the art world. His mum, Imogen, very creative. His father, John, uh, who was a uh, very respected, or is a very respected um, art expert, art curator, curator of a well-known museum uh, and art gallery in London uh, when Ed was a... Uh, a um, a small boy, and then they moved up to Yorkshire from London. And actually, Ed was born in Yorkshire. Sorry, I got that wrong. Ed was born in Yorkshire, and uh, where they were set up their own uh, art business, and um, they were very, very well connected. Mm-hmm. And on his mum's side, there was a lots of musical influence. His grandmother sang for Benjamin Britten, who, um, you know, probably the premier composer in the uk of the 20th century oh yeah yeah okay so so art and music flow through the family's blood absolutely but he was not a child prodigy himself no no we'll talk about that in a second but before we we get there i I think another thing that does really uh shape him is i i think is it the suffolk region that he was actually raised and and i believe still resides in right Yes, he loves it in the Suffolk region of the UK. Yeah, t- um, tell us about uh, th- tell us Americans about that and, and kind of why what that means to be from there. It's a very um, tea and cream cakes community. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, that's an interesting way to put it. And uh, his mum sang in the in the church choir in the in the in Framlingham where he he, he was from and um, he was in the choir himself actually but hated it because it meant he was missing TV and he wanted to get home he and his brother and watch watch their favorite program uh, and um, so it's, it's a very gentle paced uh, community compared with uh, the hustle bustle of uh, London for instance where Adele was uh, brought up right um, he went. He was very fortunate at school, Ed, in that he always had teachers who had time for him. From when he was a, a small boy up in Yorkshire to, to when he was back in, in Suffolk, where he, as, as you said, was brought up and has spent most of his life. And, and still, that's where he still returns um, when, his, when his touring's over. He's got quite a property complex now where he lives. Oh, so now he's a, a proper uh, country English gentleman. I don't think he'd ever consider himself <laughs> to be an English an English English gentleman, but um, he likes to go down the the pub and and have a pint or two. That's for sure. There you go. Now, uh, I believe his brother is also musically inclined, right? Yes, his brother Matthew is. Uh, very musical, uh, completely different to Ed. He's a classical musician and composer, very talented. And um, to uh, every, everyone's eye in the early days, he was the talented brother. Um, Ed was the one tagging along, the younger brother um, who, you know, they tried to get interested in the cello but didn't really like it, didn't really like the choir, as I said. And didn't seem to have a musical future, whereas 
Matthew was um, earmarked as having a musical future right from the start. So Ed needed to find his own identity, if you like, his own musical identity away from his brother. Like all siblings, um, or most siblings, there was there would always be a competitive edge, obviously. Mm, yeah. And I, th- I think both these things helped Ed. One, you know, he, he didn't want his brother to get the better of him. And two, he wanted to do something completely different. Yeah. So I, I, I think it might be fair that, uh, you know, unlike his brother, who, you know, appears to be a, a young prodigy, Ed, Ed didn't really he wasn't born a born musician. Uh, and I think he also uh, suffers from a stammer or a stutter, right? Yes, he he, he had a, a stutter throughout his childhood, which um, uh, he always says it, it was cured by the Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, the famous Eminem uh, album, M&M, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, his, his his dad bought him this album, not realizing that uh, it was full <laughs> Some of, of the uh, themes. <laughs> yeah, the themes and the profanities yeah. and yeah. what have you. Yeah. And um, so uh, Small Ed then uh, decided that he'd learn this album word for word. Right, right. <laughs> so you can imagine they lived in this very nice house in, in, the, in, in their village. And you can just imagine the, um, <laughs> the, the sounds of, of young Ed singing uh, M&M's uh, collective works. Even though, uh, you know, he, he wasn't you know, thought of as, uh, you know, the musical prodigy that his brother was, he still starts off his musical path pretty early, right? Yes, he was 11 when he um, famously was watching TV and it was uh, the Queen's Jubilee concerts uh, at Buckingham Palace. This is the one where Brian May um, yeah. played on the on the roof and everybody was struck by that. But what impressed Ed was Eric Clapton playing Layla. Mm. And he was uh, transfixed by this. And it's an early clue to his personality because when he decides he's going to do something, he really does do it. So he watched this and he decided that I can play that. Of course, he couldn't play at all at that point. But the first thing he does is, um, obviously with his parents' help, he gets a guitar, um, goes into a, a... into the nearest town to the local pawn shop and get something which he thinks looks quite like the one that Eric Clapton was playing. And then he learns Layla in his bedroom. His parents and his brother must have been so sick of this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after, there's only so much Layla you can take in this world. It's a great song, but uh, yeah, after a few hundred times, um, uh, it's Absolutely. time to change the needle, right? right, right, right. Absolutely. So, it, it, but this is where his mum and dad have always been so brilliant that um, having realized you know, what a great interest he had, they made sure that he uh, took it seriously because they took it seriously. They got him lessons, and that was absolutely crucial to him. It's all very well being influenced by music and musicians, but you cannot run without the ball. You've got to be able to actually do something, and and he was able to discover his talent as a guitarist. He was a guitarist before he was a singer. Well, as we've established, his parents uh, appear to uh, be uh, very uh, uh, well able to curate uh, an artist, if you will. Mm. 
Absolutely. And of course, on his dad's side, there was a, a, a strong Irish influence in his, in his family. And uh, so Ed would be often going over on holidays, well, more than often, uh, to Ireland to see family. And he became very influenced by the key Irish musicians of the time, like Van Morrison, like uh, the Chieftains. Mm. Uh, very, very popular um, with him. What's that one he used to um, like very much on on Raglan Road? Is it? I think and uh, Carrick Fergus. Very, um, you know, well known, popular Irish uh, songs, and that influenced him hugely. Mm. And and specifically, Damien Rice. Um, I don't know if Damien's still uh, popular in the US, actually, but um, I, I always thought he was absolutely brilliant. And Ed uh, went along to a, a concert in Dublin that uh, Damien Rice was uh, playing in a, in a pub or the pub, uh, part of the pub for younger people. And uh, he was, as he was with Eric Clapton, he, he loved uh, listening to this the Damien Rice singer-songwriter sort of um, performance. Mm. And it moved Ed along from wanting to be Eric, the next Eric Clapton <laughs> to, to wanting to be the next Damien Rice. Right, 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 right. A and, and Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the great thing about it was that he uh, met him after the show. And as Ed has said um, himself, if uh, if Damien had been a um, a jerk, he would never have been a singer songwriter. Oh but he my was God. lovely. He was lovely to him. A real twist of fate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was lovely right to him. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely, straight up guy. And but also the people who were with him were also very very nice. There was a um, a woman who was uh, playing the cello uh, in the accompanying band, and she. Uh, told Ed to look after it for her while she went off and got changed or something like that. And so there was this 13-year-old boy guarding this cello with his <laughs> life, you know. And, and it's, it's a sweet story, but it's also quite um, true how these little twists of fate, because, you know, it could have been, oh, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be a singer-songwriter. But it wasn't. It was exactly the reverse. He decided then and then he'd be a singer-songwriter. And, and this is... As I was saying about when Ed decides it, he does it. So he went home and to become one. Yeah. So uh, so about 13, 14, I think he, he's now entered high school. And he actually records an album in his bedroom at, I think, at 15, right? No, he, he, was, he, was, um, he was younger than that. Oh, uh, Yeah, no, no. He, he recorded it at 13, his very first one. It, it's never really seen the light of day, although mm. I was very fortunate to listen to it when I was researching the book. It's um, a sort of mixture of um, uh, Green Day and Guns N' Roses because Ed was in a, in a school band. He was the guitarist. He was the slash figure, if you like, mm -hmm. in the school band. He wasn't the, the glamorous lead singer or anything like that. And uh, so a lot of the songs, they're all, you know, heavily twangy guitar. And um, he, at this stage, um, he couldn't really sing in tune. You know, his voice hadn't broken and um, the, the vocals were not the strong point. But the guitar is great. 
So he uh, starts off as uh, trying to emulate uh, Eric Clapton, then uh, moves to the singer-songwriter of Damien Rice, uh, but also uh, has a uh, high school uh, band of, uh, you know, straight-ahead, you know, aggressive rock and roll. That is not the Ed Sheeran that we know and love. Absolutely. I mean, this is why uh, I I said overnight... Uh, sensations, as it were, have to really work at it. And there were several stages to Ed's career. And um, we talked about the the loop pedal, but when that comes into the argument as well, his high school band actually split up. I I meant to say this, his high school band split up because um, he was the only one that uh, liked Damien Rice. So, oh, <laughs> and the, so and there the was other a little guys bit of like, what are you of interest. talking about? Right, right. Yeah, right. you know, he 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 wanted uh, to play um, the blower's daughter, and and uh, they were still on Sweet Child of Mine. So right. there was a yeah. a, a slight I, parting of the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, creative differences, I think, is what absolutely, call, right? absolutely. Like at thirteen, right, 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 right. right. So let let us let let us talk about how he developed um, this unique sound because I, I do think that is a huge um, uh, uh, piece of what what makes Ed special as a performer out there. You know, a solo. Uh, acoustic guitar, but with an array of foot pedals and these these loops that allow him to become much more than just what appears to be a single uh, uh, solo performer, right? Yeah, absolutely. And what what happened was that um, Ed had become a, a big fan of a, of a group that I don't think traveled particularly over to the U.S. called Nislopi. Mm. And... Um, so he persuaded his dad, who used to take him to all the concerts, you know, Green Day was his first one and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, he went to see Nisloppy, but the supporting act on that uh, uh, night in London was a guy called Gary Dunn, who played a loop pedal. And um, Ed was, uh, again, that word transfixed, but he, he thought, oh, that's great. I could do that. And um, this is why uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm a, um, you know, a big supporter of his parents or anything, but this is why his dad was so good, because he approached Gary Dunn and said, do you think you could play at my son's birthday party? <laughs> uh, which is not what every mum and dad would do. Uh, certainly but... not mine. So, uh, yes. Uh, uh, so lucky what happened was that Gary... Um, we're not talking about major stardom here. We're talking about um, on-the-road musicians yeah. who would make would make money in between gigs and by right. doing private yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. And, even busking. Uh, right, right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's better than you know, better paid than busking, and yeah. and you get more Guinness. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so Gary goes off to uh, Ed's home and uh, performs for. The, the party, but crucially, he also shows Ed how to do it. Right. And Ed promptly goes off, goes out and gets his um, gets his own loop pedal and works at it. It's really quite uh, a difficult thing to to master, and, and um, not many people uh, can do it properly. But Ed Ed is absolutely superb at it, of course. No, would you like to give a shot at explaining, uh, you know, what looping means uh, to the audience? Yeah, sure. Um, you would play play a phrase, uh, a riff, if you like, mm-hmm. 
and then uh, you loop it back so it's always in the song as you go forward. And then you can play another phrase mm -hmm. and you put loop that back and that's another layer of the song. So in effect, you're building up your own group as you, as you play so that it sounds as if there's more than one of you. Yeah, like a full accompaniment, right. Absolutely. So you, you start off and you're only Keith Richards, and then after a couple of minutes, you're the whole band. Yes, right, 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 right. Uh, and, and that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think he perfected it probably obviously better than just about anybody because he is that, that is his signature, right? Absolutely. Uh, and to be fair to him, he always gives big credit to Gary Dunn, who, who, who helped him. They are still uh, good friends today. Um, Ed did a, a benefit at, at uh, Gary's. Uh, Gary runs a, a, an Irish charity and Ed did a benefit um, on the same week as he was playing Wembley Stadium. He goes off and plays for 300 people for Gary. So um, it's, as I was saying about keeping the ladder down, as it were. Mm -hmm. He's not yeah. unapproachable. And, you know, those friends that he's made over the years are still his friends. Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing is, of course, there, there's only one Ed Sheeran, really. So if I decided that I was going to be the new sort of loopmeister, um, I'd be copying him. So right. People don't now do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Get your own technology and uh, yeah, develop absolutely. something, uh, some new sound. And I, and I think that's an important point to make is, you know, really pop music is, is built on, on two uh, really, really critical pieces. Uh, and the first is quality songwriting. Uh, and the second is some original take, some original sound uh, that makes you uh, different than anybody that's come before, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I don't necessarily think you want to be too different because one of the things that um, we we always appreciate, you need to be able to relate to something. Yes. So, you know... You can't go captain, too far into the future. Yeah, if you're but... Captain Beefheart, you might be a little bit <laughs> too out on a limb. You know, Ed Sheeran, who, you know, writes about the things that are really important to every one of us, which Universal. is sort of like love and loss, yeah. mm -hmm. for, to be sort of uh, obvious about it. Um you know, that that's the basic central point that we can all get hold of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he 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 encompasses these uh, uh, common themes for pop songwriters with this new kind of technological sound. Absolutely. Uh, he's the only person who comes out, um, you know, at Wembley Stadium <laughs> or, and all the big stadiums in the U yeah. U.S. And he's by himself and he's building up the sound as we just described. It's crazy. So you yeah. feel like you're being yeah. entertained by, you know, 20 people, but it's yeah. just dead. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so he, he, he's got the singer songwriter uh, uh, thing going on. He's got this uh, looping uh, pedal work that creates uh, a bit of an original sound. And he's still in high school, but I think he, uh, I, I believe he leaves high school to pursue a, a career doing this, right? Yes, he was studying music um, at A level over here, and it didn't really, uh, he didn't really enjoy it. But he was very lucky that um, the music department encouraged him basically to do what he wants and develop as he wanted to do it. And what he most wanted to do after at the age of, of 17 was, was leave school and try and make it by himself. Mm. 
so he, he, he signed on to this music college in London, um, which his mum was keen for him to do because she was worried that, about what, he was, what he'd be getting up to. And um, then he started playing a lot of very small gigs. He, he was busking. He was um, going to open mic nights. He'd maybe do two, three or four a night. He was famously uh, sleeping on people's sofas. And and just being you know a teenage boy really yeah the um, expectation still... of of the of the, you know the the real uh, behind the curtain of the overnight sensation right yeah absolutely I mean you know doing you know several hundred gigs a year but you know they're, they're, by a gig, by a gig we're not talking about the sort of gigs he does now the two hour and more. Um, you know, evenings, we're talking about two or three songs, and yeah, then you're yeah. on the tube, on the underground, on the subway, going to the next one. Right, right, right. Which is, uh, now, there, as you mentioned, the tube uh, there in, in London, uh, uh, it's a, a very famous spot for buskers, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, uh, yes. Almost and, and every certain, station, there's some yeah, performing. Yeah, ab ab absolutely. Although, you know, you do you do need to have a, the, the proper... Uh, licensing. You know, and yeah. Licensing and that sort of thing, else you get moved on quite quickly these days. <laughs> but it's great training um, because Ed was getting better all the time. He was still having lessons mm -hmm. all throughout this period. He had his uh, a, a guitar teacher who um, engineered and produced his... Uh, very early albums in 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 the in the um, home surroundings in Suffolk, and um, you know, he would still going home at weekends when he was doing all these gigs and have a lesson, as well as obviously taking his mum's washing. So um, you know it was it was very much a, a still part of the learning process, mm -hmm. and and of course one of the reasons why Ed was so fortunate at this time as well as being you know obviously good and talented was because the sort of online or digital stars aligned for him yeah so that you know um he, he would be filmed doing something and then it would be all over youtube and that sort of thing I, I, he did um SBTV, didn't he, famously, and, um, you know, which I now think has got millions and millions of viewings, but even back then, you know, it got, you know, 20,000 viewings, which for an unsigned teenage artist was unbelievable. Well, I saw a YouTube video of him at St. Pancras Station uh, in London that it's, it is, it's, it's, it's incredibly mesmerizing. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, a young, uh, you know, smallish uh, redheaded kid uh, with two microphones, uh, a guitar and, and a couple of pedals that, you know, as we've established, uh, you know, sounds much bigger than just, you know, that one kid. Absolutely. And, and the, the point I'd make there is that um, from a very early age, Ed had no fear you you've got to have courage to do the the sort of things yeah, that he did mm -hmm. yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. even if and i remember people talking to people who tell me that even if he was playing to sort of like two men and a dog you know he would still give it 110% you know he might not have enjoyed it as much as if he was a, oh, a an appreciative that, crowd that, that's a common story in the in the annals of of rock and roll is uh, you know uh, some giant act that uh, you know <clears throat> played many shows in front of uh, you know three people and a dog, uh, as you say, yeah, uh, uh, sort of thing. But um, uh, you know uh, what is different and what is interesting is he does kind of 
uh, mature and uh, become known during the beginnings of the, you know this social media that we all swim in uh, now. And I and I think that had something to do. And I, I think we've already touched on it by by uh, you know uh, people filming. Uh, him just, you know, doing his thing and putting it on uh, social media and it blowing up uh, without uh, really Ed having to do a whole lot uh, other than to just perform uh, this uh, this neat new uh, type of, uh, of sound, right? Yes, that is true. But he also brought more than just that to the table from a very um, early age. And, and this is, is, is something that, you know, his mum and dad encouraged him in. He was into merchandising ah, and, uh, all uh, you the know, aspects of uh, how, how to aspects. make it as an artist, Absolutely. Struggle, uh, if you will. And the uh, the entrepreneurial spirit that's required to uh, to get anywhere. Absolutely. And this this is what was in his family, make the most of every situation. You know, if there's a contact there to be made, make that contact. If there's a sale to be made, make that sale. Encourage people to who, who are interested in you to tell their friend, to text their friend, and, 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 and so on and so on until you, you get... Um, you get known, and it, it's sort of mushroomed from locally in, in Suffolk, then through London, and and then then beyond. It, it it's the um, it's what he's always done. I, I think he I, he said uh, himself that when he was on, on tour supporting Snow Patrol, he had more merchandising than they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh, they really? were the headline oh, because, act. Yeah, because he he that would had been ingrained in him. Uh, I Absolutely. see. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So and and of course, you know, uh, to your point, uh, you know, make uh, uh, you know as much contact as you can uh, to you know build as big a noise to get noticed. And I believe he gets noticed by Elton John's management uh, company, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I, he um, came across. Uh, the, um, a manager who, who actually was working for Elton John's management company, um, but uh, was also the manager of uh, Just Jack, who um, Ed supported in a couple of gigs and uh, encouraged, he encouraged uh, the manager, who's still his manager, Stuart Camp, to go along and, and see, saying, you know, oh, this kid's really good. And um, Stuart asked... Um, well, is he cheap? And he said, oh, yeah, we might have to pay him much. <laughs> and, and it's so one that's guy, how that works. It's one guy, and, and you get 20 along with it uh, that you don't even have to pay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One other thing I wanted to uh, mention about these early days with Ed, because we've talked, obviously, about um, him moving his sound along and perfecting the sound and then uh, having that entrepreneurial spirit. But he also, um, at an early stage, worked out his image. Now, Ed's image is is an, a non-image. Yeah, if I can put it that way. He decided it's, it's quite the guy early next on. door, uh, literally, you know, to help mow the lawn, uh, kind of thing, right? Absolutely. It was uh, your brother, your best friend, uh, the guy that you could enjoy a coffee with or a pint with. And um, not somebody who's trying to be Justin Bieber. No, uh, he uh, like we were talking about Jennifer Aniston and and uh, the Spice Girls, kind of attainable. Absolutely, um, and, and 
it, 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 he does show that you can be a sort of and a nice guy, and you don't have to be some sort of you know surly rebel to to get everybody interested in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, is yeah. There, there is nothing uh, uh, even remotely controversial or uh, uh, aggressive uh, about uh, Ed Sheeran. Uh, his his music, his image, uh, the songs he writes. Um, uh, while endearing and uh, and you know obviously uh, hit making, um, you know it does it does it doesn't have any of that quote unquote rebel spirit to it. No, I mean in 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 days gone by, um, he would have been described probably middle of the road, mm-hmm. which is a sort of not an expression I like, and it's it's sort of like undervalues. Uh, what you're doing, yeah. But I, I sort of see how, where you might think that was the case with with Ed because of, of the sort of universal appeal, you know, from kids to grannies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, he's uh, he works throughout the entire family. Uh, everybody loves Ed Sheeran. You can't hate the guy. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. Yeah. All right. So now things really start happening quickly. Um, I think he's got an independent album in 2011 called The Number Five collaboration project yes he he did a series of eps mm-hmm. and um that w- in which he was sort of uh going with um various um so, uh, songwriters and that sort of thing and improving all the time and getting his name out there and the last two he did were called live at the bedford which um is a a very um well-known music venue on the sort of pub live music uh, circuit in London. And this was the first time he'd done anything like that, been recorded live. And he actually did it with a band, unbelievably, um, the only time. And uh, this uh, record company who uh, his his management were trying to get interested in him went along so they could hear him perform properly. And it was a, that was a big deal for him. And then he also did, as you said, Number Five Collaborations Project, which was with with a lot of very um, oh fashionable and hip uh, people, um, rap artists, that sort of thing, which were helped to make Ed current, mm-hmm. and not just um, the uh, the boy with glasses from Suffolk. You know, he it meant that he was um, one of the. Uh, people on the London scene that that uh, that you could legitimately like. You didn't have to be sort of out on a limb to like him because all your friends did, you know, because he was cool. Right, right. And I think that's uh, those two things were those two albums were very important to him. One helped him get the deal, as it were, and the other one uh, helped his credibility. So that when you know the deal had been signed and the, they were going to move Ed into more mainstream popularity, he was very, very well placed. Yeah, and he, I believe he's just twenty at this point. Oh yes, I mean that, that's all very depressing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, maybe meant to be. Uh, we're discovering some interesting things uh, about Mr. Sheeran here. So, uh, but yeah, uh, you know to. Uh, already he seems to have come a long way uh you know i you know i think we you know we mentioned you know his brother 
being, you know, having that that quote unquote prodigy gene, uh, you know, recognized very early on uh, on a straight path and has achieved uh, achieved that uh, uh, at this extent. Whereas Ed uh, kind of, you know, uh, while he's got um, these great parents who can help guide him and are fully uh, supportive. He is making this up as he goes along. He is uh, grabbing inspiration from various sources to create something new. And, and he's done this, at, 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 to be honest with you. It, it does seem like an overnight sensation. The kid's 20, and he's about ready to you know, go international. Yes, uh, that's all true. And at this stage, he'd written the A-Team, which... Um, yeah a hugely important song for him. He must have played it a million times before it was released on, on record. Um, uh, he famously uh, met um, this girl called Angel at a crisis for Christmas. Um, uh, not exactly a concert, but a, um, entertainment, if you like, for homeless people in uh, the East End of London. And he heard about her story. Uh, she was a, uh, a crack addict and a street prostitute. And this rather catchy, pleasant-sounding pop song has has a real edge to it in, in, in that the, the subject matter is is really quite um, uh, serious and edgy. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it, it, it was all reinforcing the fact that, that at this stage, Ed was extremely current. And following on from the Number 5 Collaborations project, you know, this was a cool guy writing about um, things that, that can affect you in the, in the modern world. Yeah, uh, you know, a good songwriter will uh, sometimes uh, a couple a uh, <clears throat> an uplifting or you know major key metal- melody uh, with a you know a more challenging or difficult uh, uh, um, um, uh, lyrical structure, uh, and that's uh, apparently what he does with the A Team. Yes, and I, I mean it was a instant, in, one of those instant successes, the A Team, which he'd been. Seem to be playing for years before the game. <laughs> yeah, success. yeah. Oh, well, that's that moment. That's that. That's when the light uh, uh, switch goes on in the public's mind of like, hey, here's this new kid uh, who just showed up on our radar. When, as we've established, uh, you know, he he's he's already, even though he's only twenty, he is is you know dedicated to this path for about ten years now. Oh, absolutely. And the the the, the thing to give. Um, well, him and his management and his record company uh, kudos for is that they were very keen early on to get him noticed in the uh, U.S. Uh, in a way, it followed the sort of uh, path that Adele had uh, a couple of years earlier. Mm-hmm. Her career worked in the U.S. almost in tandem with the U.K. And uh, in many ways, I mean, Ed would hate this, but in many ways, his sort of like career path is quite similar to Adele's the the way that you know the awards the popularity all that sort of thing right well i mean if a if a formula works uh you know try to follow it and certainly from the business side uh, that's a that's an easy calculus to make uh, i believe he's also writing for others uh at, at this time including uh, the new boy band one direction right 
Yes, that's absolutely right. He, in fact, One Direction, uh, the song was Moments, and it was his um, first one he did for another artist, or at least first one that appeared on, on an album. Yeah. And uh, One Direction always included it in their live shows. And I think one of the band, whether it was Harry, I can't remember, uh, said it was his favorite song of all of theirs. So mm. that's not bad. Ed, of course, is very shrewd. Uh, guy, you become very successful and make a lot of money if you're writing songs that are recorded by One Direction. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure Simon Cowell would agree with you wholly on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so now between 2012 and 2014, it seems like this kid just climbs every mountain easily. Uh, he's achieving massive international success. And is there a secret to that, or is it just was it just all this work to this moment like broke, and now the 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 gates opened, and uh, you know the world is his oyster? Yes, that's true. But certain things happened that are very important. Yeah, like Taylor in, Swift, right? In Taylor Swift, but I was going to say even before that, Snow Patrol, oh, a wow. huge a huge band in 2012, yeah. he toured the States with them, uh, became uh, very friendly with um, their keyboard player, Johnny McDade, uh, who I think married Courtney Cox, if I got that right. And um, they, they started writing songs together and have written quite a few of the famous Ed Sheeran songs they've written together. So it was a very good uh, tour for him on many, many reasons. Uh, and also in 2012, um, there was another um, Jubilee concert for the, uh, for the Queen. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so they must have got up to the diamond one, 60 years. Yeah. So Ed was in that. And also yeah. the oh, Olympics. The, the Olympics, that's right, the 2012 uh, Olympic closing ceremonies. That's correct. So when he talk did, about uh, capturing an international audience, absolutely. So it's as I, as I was saying earlier, how stars align, Fred. Yeah. You, 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 I'm not saying he was lucky because you, as I said, also you've got to be good. Yeah. No. But, when that door opens, you, you you've got to be able to prove it. Uh, yeah. You you deserve a seat at that table. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be you know already been in the change room and changed into your gear <laughs> to get out. You yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Onto the field. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But I think I think the Taylor Swift um, uh, connection, uh, especially in America, uh, is is really a, a big deal. I mean, let's face it. At this point, you know, uh, Taylor has gone from country princess to uh, you know pop sensation, uh, and uh, and even today continues to you know be one of the biggest selling artists in the world. Oh yes, uh, it's so absolutely not bad right. Friends to have. No, no, no. I mean, Taylor Swift's been a been a huge uh, asset to Ed's career and vice versa. Um, he opened for her Red Tour in 2013, I think. Yeah. And um, they, she loved having Ed around because he 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 was fun and he was able to uh, relax, uh, etc. They wrote songs together. They wrote that song. Um, Everything has changed and. Um, you know, they just hit it off, basically. As friends, but, because as she's, friends, she's, was never, she's never written of any a, romance. Yeah, she's never written a breakup song about Ed Sheeran, so we know they weren't lovers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Is that the criteria? Okay. I believe so, yes, because she's written pretty much a song about all the rest. So, okay, uh, so that's I, good. I think that is the definitive proof right there. But, but yeah, they became collaborators. 
collaborators and she she came and over to Suffolk and went to the local pub with him which is always good you know press, oh media God. publicity you know you can't yeah. beat that it's what I was saying earlier you know uh, it, it helps her over here yeah. and um, yeah. it helped I mean to say it helped him over there is an understatement I mean yeah. clearly the Red Tour is one of the biggest tours of recent times yeah. and um, he was there so um, it really did wonders for him. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, and, and I find their friendship rather, rather sweet, you know, when uh, he's won an award, you know, she's in the audience cheering and, and that sort of thing. It's, um, it's nice that you have a genuine friendship, which isn't sort of like uh, some great love affair. No, and, and, and it's not competitive. Uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier, that this generation of musicians uh, does seem uh, uh, very collaborative, uh, and they recognize that this is beneficial for, uh, for all of them. Yes, absolutely. Of course, by being collaborative, we're talking about a very... Um, small number of people elite and this group is, yes <laughs> yeah this is the, the elite group this is really quite an interesting point that um it is such a small group of people at the very top and they collaborate with each other um and for instance when um uh when ed uh wanted a, a, a collaborator for um perfect he uh suddenly it was beyonce you know it wasn't some kid down the road Right, 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 right. Now, it's a, a kind of an aside question, but would it be fair to say Ed seems to, he's songwriter first and then performer second? Um, ooh, that's a very good question, actually. I think uh, he's always loved writing songs. I remember speaking to his guitar teacher in his teenage, young teenage days. And, you know, he would go along to Ed's house to, for a lesson and um, try, be trying to show Ed some important chord progression or something. And Ed would go, yeah, 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 Keith, listen to this song I wrote last night. Yeah, <laughs> and, right, right. And, and, and so he was always obsessed. He's very prolific as well. Mm. Um, he seems to be able to... Uh, and he also writes with a lot of people, which I think is quite interesting. You know, it's not just... Oh, um, he's picking up new tricks everywhere he goes. Absolutely. It's not just, you know, Elton John and Bernie Taupin sort of stuff. It's, um, you know, it's all sorts of, of, of people that uh, Ed, Ed writes with. Well, I don't, um, I don't know if that's a good analogy because those two guys actually did really good just with those two guys. Yeah, no, no, yeah. That, that, I didn't. That, that's what I meant that. Um, <laughs> I did, That didn't come across, but... But, you know, Elton John does not have 50 collaborators. No, um, no. But Ed probably has that number already. I mean, yeah, that's I know. I know. It's a, it's, a, it's a different way to go about it. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, songwriting craft is, 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 is if you're really good at it, you know, that is a, a, a definitive career path that can keep you in the game for, you know, decades, uh, even though, uh, you know, pop uh, sensation, uh, you know, tends to be, uh, uh, tends to wane uh, fairly quickly. Uh, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Paul and John uh, from the Beatles were very, you know, when asked, you know, what are you going to do when the Beatles break up? And they were like, oh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll become songwriters, uh, you know, like uh, Goffin and King or, you know, any of those Tin Pan Alley uh, uh, teams or, or the or for, for the UK, the, the Denmark Street uh, teams uh, that mm. uh, had existed uh, out there. Uh, you know, that's a, that, that's a guarantee. Uh, and, uh, you know, he 
uh, seems to be that kind of guy that will have a, a very lengthy career because of that. I agree with you entirely. I was just going to add, though, that I don't think John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote many songs together. Well, <laughs> they, they, I think they were always credited first, together, it, yes, but they actually didn't they write did. them together. It was, well, the, at first they, they definitely did, but uh, then, yeah, they uh, they went off on their thing. But, uh, but yeah, I see your point. I see your point. But, but, but I agree with you about Ed uh, totally. I think that, they, uh, that he can... If he wants to, because obviously, I mean, I'm, I know I'm stating the, the, the obvious here, he doesn't need the money. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you know, we established if he ever that needs the money, question. then something's yeah. seriously yeah. gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as as this, that, that tour, you know, the largest grossing tour of all time, it's like $750 million. Oh, is it now? My yeah. goodness me. Yeah, that's what it was for that for, for a oh, single tour. My goodness. Now, it's a lot of dates. It's like 220 dates. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the highest number of dates of the, the top 10 uh, artists. But that's still, it, it's incredible because, you know, you don't have to share it with anybody. It's, it's just you. <laughs> well, yes, I, I think he shares it with his manager. Of course. That's... Well, you know what I mean. Uh, unlike, <laughs> yeah, no, unlike no, the absolutely. other acts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and then, having said that, of course, there is a, you know, it's only him on stage, but there is a backstage cast, as it were, of a, of a of, hundreds uh, making an Ed Sheeran concert happen. I mean, I think that's a reasonable point. But yeah. the, 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 the question is, will he get up in the morning in his beautiful property in the country in England and think, shall I write a song or shall I pay snooker? You know, it's, it's the motivation, isn't it? Yeah. As long as he has the motivation, he certainly has the talent to keep going as long as he wants to. Yeah, well, uh, you know, if if he signed to Elton John's uh, management, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he is very familiar with uh, uh, Elton and and Bernie's work habits, and uh, that this was it, it's work. You know, you get up, you go into the office, and uh, you you work every day. And uh, I see him uh, as that kind of guy, uh, getting it from the book that that you know that is you know it's through. It's like this uh, built-in determination that just comes natural. Uh, he doesn't have to uh, motivate himself. It's just who he is. I would agree with that. Elton John's been very helpful to him. Uh, he's not with the management company anymore. His, 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 his manager, Stuart, now has, uh, you know, they have their yeah. own company yeah. these days. Yeah. But, um, but Elton John is still, you know, definitely a supporter of Ed Sheeran and has been. Uh, there was a, a famous performance um, at the Grammys, wasn't there that that uh, they didn't want Ed to perform by himself because they weren't, you know, believe it or not, they weren't <laughs> sure that he was well enough known. So um, Elton said, "Well, Elton. he can do a duet with me." Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's that's all about the point we were making earlier about keeping the ladder down. Elton John is just a great example of oh, somebody yes. who does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so 2014 is like this stratospheric uh, time with the release of Multiply. Uh, and he's now working with people like uh, Rick Rubin, Pharrell, uh, Benny Bianco. Um, how did that change his musical path? Mm, the, Multiply is a fabulous album. I, I like it, actually, very much indeed, although I'm not a great song, a uh, great um, lover of the, the, the one Sing, the way he did with Pharrell. Um, mm. it doesn't, it's never really seemed like an Ed Sheeran song to me, but there you go. I, I think it made it, him um, more approachable to more people. It's more commercial than his first album, and 
it broadened his appeal, as we were just saying about, you know, kids and grannies. Um, there's a song on there for everyone. And um, by having a slightly more uh, commercial, a slightly slicker uh, production with, with Rick Rubin, as you said, and with Pharrell, uh, these are, you know, superb producers. And to, to work with them is, is, is pretty fortunate to work with one of them, to work with two or three or four. And um, the, the, the end result for Multiply is, uh, is almost a perfect album, I think. Right, right, right. So, again, uh, uh, taking another uh, uh, leap up the, the ladder uh, by, uh, by surpassing so many people uh, uh, at this time in, in this last decade. And on July 10th through the 12th in 2015, this kid, he's only 24 with an acoustic guitar and a few foot pedals, sells out massive Wembley Stadium. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Uh, it's just a highly I, I, unusual arena. To It's just, you know, his music kind of feels like it belongs in an intimate setting, and a stadium is like the least intimate setting, but yet it still works. Yes, it does work, and, I, and one of the reasons it works, I think, is, is because... Um, of that intimate setting. So you, even though you're in amongst 80,000 people, you can still feel if you've gone along with, you know, your, your girlfriend or your wife or, or um, your mum and dad or whatever, you still feel like, you know, it's a little family party within this great um, thing. Ed, is sharing, Ed Sheeran is singing just to you. Right, 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 right. Even though, you know, you're, you know, 200 yards away. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. You got binoculars on the video screen. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I always yeah, take I, binoculars. I, I do think that 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 I, I, that this works because of the technology to create a more intimate environment in a in a stadium atmosphere. Uh, you know, you mentioned the screens. Uh, you know, uh, you you know the sound quality today. Uh, is you know pretty extraordinary compared to uh, you know what used to be, uh, especially in those larger um, uh, uh, arenas, um, uh, and the screen, the technology behind that does create um, you know a, a more intimate feel, especially for those in the cheap seats. I absolutely agree with you, and and the Ed concerts are, are very clever. The way you know it's just him walking backstage projected onto the big screens and then suddenly he's there it's none of there's no pyrotechnics of of um you know dancers and all that sort of stuff it's now, just, just just him sort of you know all right mate you know and, yeah. then, he's, <laughs> and then he's there it's like it's like uh, the local pub with sixty thousand people yeah yeah absolutely and i i do feel that's very important that that, that, that it creates a sort of um in a way, the Spice Girls, who I recently saw at Wembley, were quite similar because it just creates a sort of feeling of, of joie de vivre, of well-being, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah. oh, everything's all right in the world, even though it isn't. No. Uh, but and just we all for this two hours, it's going to be all right. Right, 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 right. Um, so, uh, you know, we, I, I talked a little bit about, you know, his social media savvy. I mean, he's a kid that grew up with, uh, you know, a, a computer uh, his entire life uh, and, uh, you know, switched to uh, a mobile device, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, got a great presence on, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all the other uh, social media tools out there. But 
he, as we said, he's on this rocket ship ride. And then I think in like 2016, he just quits the whole thing. Yes, I think um, he just was suffering a bit from burnout in uh, 2016. He just needed some time off, didn't he? Uh, And also, uh, I think um, his management team and him, because they're all both very shrewd, they didn't want people to get sick of Ed Sheeran because, you know, he'd been everywhere. And uh, let's have a little bit of time out, uh, enjoy what we've achieved so far, um, and... You know, he had a new girlfriend who's now his wife and very much in love and all that sort of thing. So he wanted to travel, see a bit of the world with her. And um, I mean, although this is an interesting point, and I don't know what the answer is. How recognizable is Ed Sheeran? That's quite interesting, you know, because, you know, if he was walking, you know, down the street, would you think, would you sort of stop and go, my God, it's Ed Sheeran? Or or would you think... uh, now, who was it who that guy looks like? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 it, I, I think if he were walking around uh, redhead all out, and uh, he might be uh, um, fairly uh, recognizable. But, yeah, yeah, you put a beanie on the kid, and, uh, yeah, he, he could be anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. So they, they, they went off, you know, to Japan and Africa, and, and generally um, it was a case of recharging the batteries, but he never stopped writing. That's, uh, that's one of the things that uh, we were just talking about. So, yeah. you know, the, the, even though he took a, a year off, basically, he, he was still um, uh, had his next album in his head and, and wanted to work on it and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. so but it, I just, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just think it was important for him to 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 take a step away. I mean, he's still only a, a young man, so um, just pace yourself a little bit. All right. So he comes back in 2017 and releases his next album, uh, which is called Divide, uh, which has the hit Shape of You. And I, I want to twist this a little bit by talking about uh, a, a bit of some controversy about this tune. Uh, uh, I believe he gets sued uh, over copyright infringement, and and this is not the first time that he's been sued uh, with that. Now, uh, this is this is an issue in 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 the music uh, business today, um, and so instead of going into the details of uh, the fact that uh, the writers of the TLC uh, song, um, uh, 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 what is it, Waterfalls. Um, you know, uh, hit uh, Ed with a with a, a lawsuit, uh, and he'd been uh, uh, sued by uh, the Marvin Gaye family uh, before. Um, you know, uh, the question for you would be: What do you make of the very concept in recorded pop music that's now, you know, just over a hundred years old? You know, this 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 idea of of suing for songs that sound similar. I mean. You know, my point being, there's only so many notes available to a writer, correct? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a very interesting thing. And I mean, obviously, the more successful you are, the more you're going to encourage people to be yeah, you you know, jealous point. of your success yeah. and, and all yeah. those things. Yeah. And there's a lot of money involved, obviously. I don't want to say anything crass like there are only so many songs in the world. But, you know, if you are influenced, you enjoy music, you listen to a lot of it, and then you're going to sit down at the guitar or the piano and write something, you might well, um, you know, include, 
completely um, without thinking something, you know, that you, you might have heard two days ago or 20 years ago, um, because there's a lot of music out there. And as you pointed out about writing as well, um, you know, most writers are magpies. They, they have their favorite books and they try and imitate, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, J.K. Rowling, who, who we were just talking about, you know, she's the most wonderful and original writer. But, you know, when she was younger, she, she used to walk around with Lord of the Rings. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You, you can know, see the, uh, but that doesn't and you can diminish see what she has work. done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And there's absolutely. nothing wrong with that. I mean, art is not built out of whole cloth. It is uh, put together by taking various aspects of influence uh, in other uh, worlds and and putting it together in a new way. We've established that with Ed, Ed already by his use of looping. Uh, mm. You know, he's taken this this technology and he's created something new with it. Um, and now, you know, so it, it's this it is this this controversial issue uh, out, out there. Uh, you know, famously, Led Zeppelin has been sued by Spirit uh, for for uh, um, Stairway to Heaven because there is a a small melody that sounds similar to another song, but. I, you know, it, it, did they it, have to pay out money for that? No, they've actually gone through, and I, I think Led Zeppelin has won the initial suit. Although there seems to be an appeal uh, on on this. Um, okay. uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, there's a, a famous story of Paul McCartney, you know, not wanting to record yesterday, which he'd called Ham and Eggs at the time, because he thought he'd heard it somewhere uh, and was sure that uh, you know it was you know if he did, it was some sort of plagiarism. And you know, it's it, I've listened to the the songs and. You know, obviously, everybody knows uh, waterfalls, and if if you listen to Shape of You, uh, you know, yeah, you can kind of go, oh, okay, there's there's some similarities, but it's it's not a lift, uh, and and con uh, conversely, if you look at the rap game, these guys sometimes play stuff back and forth uh, and are free about that. Um, you know, let's face it, uh, uh, hip-hop music uh, 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 came out of a lot of sampling and things like that. Mm, so mm. They, may be, they may be a little more attuned uh, to that and forgiving. But I, I don't know. I, I just, it's, 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 a, it's it, you know, it, it's, not, it's not like he just, you know, copied the song, changed a few words, and, you know, they're exactly the same. There, there are you know, huge distinct differences between them. So it's, I don't know, it's a kind of a weird thing, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Well, my sort of uh, to reinforce my opinion is that I, I think, you know, when you're as successful as Ed, you're always yeah. going to have it. Yeah. I don't think there are, you know, I don't think there's a million original songs out there. Um, and if you've heard something and, you know, you unwittingly include a phrase or two or even three in a song, um, I don't see why that suddenly um becomes a plagiarized song necessarily yeah, yeah and, and um, as you he... just said if it's if it's the same song and they've just changed um ham and eggs to yesterday right. and that's, that's about all they've done right. then you're yeah. in trouble yeah yeah and and i think when when ed uh, was made aware of this he immediately uh credited the songwriters yeah, good. So, good. All right, so three official albums uh, uh, or or major releases uh, plus multiply uh, and divide. Why the mathematical symbols? Well, it was a good idea, wasn't it? <laughs> Funny enough, I <laughs> enough I don't for me to ask the question, goes, right? I don't know where he goes from there, but um, 
I know I, I mentioned Adele earlier, and of course she has 19... Yeah, well, her uh, age... 21, yeah, yeah, 25, yeah. Um, which is also quite quite clever. So um, Yeah, but those, those I, can, I can immediately, and the audience can immediately go, well, that, those were her ages, so, you know... Yeah, they, they well, they weren't sense. really, but yes, <laughs> sort of. Um, yeah, I, well... I don't know where he goes with it from 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 now. I mean, Cosine I think you can next, uh, you can uh, you can think up a good sort of like reason yeah. for oh I'm going to call it call it this or yeah. I'm going to call it that and yeah. I and if I if I did um, uh, a greatest hits album I'd call it Equals or something <laughs> you know um, but I just think it's a it's a good it's so a no good, insight uh, no no no, sort of, no I, there, there's I, I don't not think a secret so. I think, message I think, that Ed's I think sending well, we've out called to that audience, one so. plus then let's, <laughs> ooh, what can we do you know yeah. I think it's more like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. all right so here's uh, another interesting fact uh, about uh, Ed he is already at the age of 26 a member of the Order of the British Empire an MBE right yes he yes he is and. Um, he hasn't done anything to rock the boat, you know. If if suddenly it's discovered that he has a has a stash in the Cayman Islands, then <laughs> he'll never go any further. Um, and that has happened to a few people. Oh. But um, yes, he's very much establishment. Funnily enough, um, when he was a, a, a boy, his father curated an exhibition for the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles, mm. and there was one of the pictures on the wall of their house. Uh, pride of place was um, the Prince of Wales with the two boys, um, wow, Ed and his elder brother, wow. uh, you know, which is fairly well connected at a young uh, age. I'd say <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't do anything to upset people and uh, I, you know, I can't think that he's going to, um, I'm sure it'll be. Sir Ed Sheeran alongside Sir Elton John and, yeah. and Sir Mick Jagger yep. in the fullness of time. He's too young now, obviously. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, these days these things are all a little bit political, you know, mm. and Ed is very popular, so let's give him something. And <laughs> that's how it works a little bit, you know. Right, I'm a, right. little, a little bit cynical about these, these awards, but it's because um, people like him. Right. So it's going to be popular. Uh, he also, like many pop stars these days, has ventured into uh, acting. Um, uh, I have to ask about that uh, Game of Thrones appearance. Yes, his famous appearance on Game of, <laughs> Game of Thrones was not his finest hour. No, it wasn't. But wasn't. Ed, I mean, Ed it was Ed. Ed was there, but it, I, I, I don't. I'm, it was like 20, 21st century. Ed was in, you know, uh, you know, medieval times or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's it's quite funny, but he is determined. You know, he he he's going to. Uh, there's a, a new film I think uh, I haven't seen it yet called Yesterday, oh, which gonna, he is I was going to bring that up. Where uh, uh, conversely, uh, I have seen that, and he is great in it. Good, I'm so pleased to hear that. And um, but you know, he 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 wanted. Uh, originally, he wasn't sure if he was going to be an actor or not. You know, he went along to auditions for some. Uh, TV soap drama and didn't get the part, which was great because if he'd got it, he might be a, a very minor actor. Mm -hmm. um, and it's he—he he Here's another example of him not giving up. He could never dance, of course. So um, you know, and that was one of the reasons why he didn't get this this part I was just referring to. I think it was for Britannia High was the name of the Shore Live show. 
And uh, but he couldn't, you know, he had two left feet, but he persevered. And of course, I love that video of him dancing for Thinking Out Loud um, with that uh, lovely dancer, Brittany Cherry, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, Who's on your screens over there. And um, but, you know, I'm not going to give up on this. I can do it, you know, and, and he does it. Whereas the rest of us would be thinking, oh, I don't think so. I think I'll slink away on this one. Yeah. Well, and, and again, you know, we, we, this, this is a common thread throughout our, our discussion today uh, and that, uh, you know, this, this kid is just, um, uh, you know, determined uh, more than anything else uh, to, uh, to put in the work to achieve a goal. And uh, I, I wouldn't say, uh, and I think we've established that, that he was, you know, you know, born out of the womb, ready to uh, be a performer, uh, a la Michael Jackson, if you will. Uh, he really did have to work at it. Um, but by, by working at it, uh, he uh, created something new and uh, original. And uh, again, I, I, I'm really just uh, astounded that a singular a performer could turn into such a cultural uh, mover and pop star. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure exactly where he goes from here because, you know, he he always seems to me to want to try and top what he's done before, but it's now getting to the stage where it's practically impossible to top the the money and the figures, uh, the people who, you know... Yeah, how, is there how, any how difference you... between playing seven nights at Wembley to playing ten <laughs> well, to playing twelve? Well, you know, what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, yeah. How, how do you top uh, Shape of You that has almost two point five billion listens? That's oh my crazy. goodness. God, I hadn't looked at the update. Is that really? Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, the single. I be- I was asked the single beautiful. Yeah, I was asked what he was going to do next um, by uh, by somebody, and I said uh, I can see it now. Ed Sheeran first pop concert on Mars. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, you know the the the, the newest single, uh, "Beautiful People," which I think came out this year, uh, almost five hundred million downloads already. God, so. it, it's a uh, it's a different world, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So it seems like 2019 is another big year for for Ed Sheeran. Uh, he married uh, uh, Cherry Seaborn. Uh, uh, he's got a new album, uh, number six collaborations project, uh, and uh, you know it's just it's going as strong as as ever. Yes, I, I mean he needs to take some time out, doesn't he? Um, so I don't know when we'll next be seeing him touring. I don't. I, I can't see him touring to this. Huge, you know, this is famous last words, but I can't see him doing this big a tour ever again. You know, he might suddenly turn around and, and say, right, I'm only going to um, play very small gigs unannounced. Or, or go to the West End and, uh, and, and write a musical or something like that. Uh, yeah, certainly he, he, he could do that. Mm. Um, but I, I, do, I do think he, you know, he, he still has acting ambitions mm. and um, he may not be satisfied until... You know, he does something really big oh, there. Oh, he, wants an, he wants an Oscar. Well, why not? <laughs> right. Yeah, go for why the not? EGOT, as they as they they say. So. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I was I was searching for that, and you you, you had it. <laughs> all right. So after all the research and writing of the book, uh, you know, what do you think is the secret on why this goofy kid with the red hair has become one of the biggest musical stars in the world? Although we may have answered this question as we've had our conversation today. Yes, we, we may have done, but let me just go through it succinctly 
no fear, capacity to work really, really hard. You can't run without the ball. Therefore, he has a natural talent and he has found the thing that he can do best. Now, that is actually something which um, 99.9% of the population probably never quite realize what they can do best. And to actually have a set of circumstances that allows you to do what you can do best in life is, is, is lucky and, 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 and a gift. And he has certainly taken full advantage of that. And it doesn't do him any harm at all that he's a nice guy. Well, you know, before reading your book, I wasn't much of a fan. I, I, I was he was, you know, on the radar of of like I said, you know, how 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 does this work with this, you know, you know, poppy singer songwriter who, you know, uh, is not, uh, you know, a six foot tall model uh, that, uh, you know, can command these large audiences and huge uh, record sales. And now I'm, after reading your book, a, a, a bit of a fan. So uh, good job there. So what's next for you, Sean Smith? Well, uh, next for me, as I said, is the Spice Girls. Yeah. I've loved writing about them. And it's so funny how many people have sort of like come out of the woodwork to tell me that they're fans of the Spice Girls. I was, uh, I mean, the... Uh, uh, my hairdresser, a lovely woman, still has her Spice Girls dolls, she told me. And I thought, my goodness, you know, isn't it time you perhaps pension those off, you know? But um, not at all. So I loved writing about them. And uh, I, I, I was being asked about them the other day. And someone said, well, they haven't had much of solo careers. And, and I, I said, that is completely untrue. Because all the Spice Girls, as solo uh, people, as it were, yeah. have done extremely well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we know about Victoria Beckham, one of the most famous women in the world, yeah. etc. Well, Mel B's but, done I really mean, well. Uh, Mel B yeah. is, is, one of, is a premier Saturday night primetime TV person, yes. as is Jerry Halliwell, yeah. at least in the UK. Um, Emma Bunton, uh, Baby Spice, in 2017 was Radio Personality of the Year. I mean, they are... Uh, and Mel, Mel B's had a hat full of hits and hit albums all over the world. So, uh, Mel C, Mel C sorry. Yeah. So um, they've done so incredibly well. And, and that was one of the things that I most enjoyed writing about them was, was, was discovering that, you know, their lives weren't just this five-year period of Spice Girls. Right. It's, right. it's as, you know... Spice children and, and spice women as well. <laughs> spice girls, spice women, the spice women, soon to be spice men and spice children everywhere. Well, we look forward to uh, getting uh, that book uh, over here uh, uh, in the States. So, Sean Smith, thanks so much for being with us on Deeper Digs and Rock today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. People fall in love in mysterious ways. Maybe just the touch of a hand Well, me, I fall in love with you every single day And I just want to tell you I am So, honey, now Take me into your loving arms 
Big thanks to Sean Smith and great discussion on a big time pop star from today's musical landscape. What Sean did for me, and I I hope you got out of it as well, is that Ed Sheeran is a craftsman and well-deserved of the pinnacle he currently finds himself in. I have found a new uh, respect for the guy. He's more than just a pretty face and guitar. Well, okay, he does have that going for him. And uh, (laughs) while his well-publicized Game of Thrones cameo was pretty bad, I really enjoyed him as a supporting player in the Danny Boyle film Yesterday, um, which poses the question, what if the Beatles didn't exist? Yeah, hey, dude. Uh, If you haven't seen that film, you really should. Uh, It's worth it, and you'll, 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 you'll get a chuckle out of it as well. So go out and get Sean Smith's new book, plainly called Ed Sheeran, wherever you get your good reads. I swear, you will learn a thing or two about that scruffy ginger man with the silky voice and the loops of love that all the young girls swoon for. And with that, I'm off to prep for next week's episode, where we are talking the who. Yeah, yeah, not those guys. H-U, the who. The next big thing out of Mongolia. The the current big thing out of Mongolia. Yeah, I had the pleasure of interviewing the four principals of the band uh, with an interpreter. Uh, that was really fun. Uh, the four uh, guys who play traditional Mongolian instruments and do the throat singing. Um, that is also backed by a three-piece rock band. Uh, these guys have created something new to be seen and heard. It's been a long time since I heard a new sound from rock and roll, and these guys have it. I can't wait to share the news with all of you, so come on back for that one. Until then, keep up the rock. But I can't wait to go home. Deeper Digs in Rock, produced and hosted by Kristen Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. Archaeology. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 